This is Thursday, the fourth edition of the show right here on WNHH 103.5 FM. Kind of quiet around us right now because the great give is going on. So there's a 24-hour marathon, or 36-hour marathon, actually, that um, is taking place in the studio. So I have the pleasure of sitting, actually, physically, in Paul Bass's chair, which is hilarious. Because <laughs> he's actually doing the board in there. So if there is still something you'd like to contribute, because by the time this airs, the great give will be over... But please, if there's anything you care to contribute year-round to WNHH, do it. We need it. It's good for us. It's good for you. It's community radio. Sitting across from me in the table, who's been very patient with me, is Kebra Smith-Bolden. Born and raised in New Haven. She has three children. She's also a registered nurse and has always had a passion for work in the field of health. Her career spans about 22 years, where she started out as a young CNA and is an LPN. And now, not anymore, because <laughs> she's an RN. Yeah. That I know. And she's an RN. But the reason why we're talking to Kibra today is because she holds a certification in cannabis studies from the Northeast Institute for Cannabis and Natick, Massachusetts. She's also a member of the Connecticut Coalition to Regulate Marijuana, and she's also a member of the Minority Cannabis Business Association, a community of people working to develop a more diverse cannabis industry for business, patients, and communities affected by the war on drugs. Kibra's also the Women Grow Market Leader and Chair in Connecticut, As she says, she seeks to enlighten, engage, and develop business opportunities right here in Connecticut and specifically, specifically in New Haven. Absolutely. So, thank you, Kibra, and welcome. Thanks for having me. This is great. So... First of all, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about yourself. You're you're a New Haven native, right? Yes, ma'am. Hill House grad? Um, well, sort of, kind of. My <laughs> senior year, I moved to Maryland. My whole family moved to Maryland. So I graduated from high school in Bel Air, Maryland. Okay. But? <laughs> but I went to Hill House. I claim Hill House. I rep Hill House, you know. All day long, <laughs> you're Hill House. All right. So being an RN, mm-hmm. you've done that for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Why go into the cannabis industry? Well, you know, I've always been a believer in the medicinal use of cannabis. And I also feel like it is, it should be free to use recreationally. Mm -hmm. Um, And so being that I felt that it had uses in both arenas, I was all for it. I wanted to learn about it. I wanted to be able to lobby for it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to introduce others. So... I went to school to learn a little bit. <laughs> so in, in your learning, mm-hmm. what do you know about cannabis that the average person may not know? Because let's face it, most people smoke it recreationally, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They don't think of it medicinally. Mm-hmm. So is there a difference between, and this may sound crazy, but 
and I kind of know the answer to the question, but I want to put it out there because you are the professional. Okay. So, mm-hmm. is there a difference between what you get in the street and what is given to us medicinally? Absolutely. Um, I'll speak specifically for the state of Connecticut. There are regulations for days on how to handle the plant, um, how to how to store the plant, all kinds of things. On the street, we don't know if you dropped it on the floor before you handed it to us, you know, if it was in your glove compartment on a hot day and it's probably got mold on it. Yeah. Um, we don't know if we're smoking or in, ingesting, however we're doing it, a sativa, which is an upper, or indica, which is a downer. Um, now, why are those there? And th- those are the main two types of strains of um, cannabis or marijuana. Um, sativa is again an upper it helps elevate your mood um usually people who um ingest however they do um or consume cannabis they usually can clean their house (laughs) be very productive (laughs) and thoughtful and you know come up with these great ideas you know when you see those movies where they have that you know we got high and then we figured it all out right that that's what sativa is all about okay but now the other side of it so indica is more of a downer um and they're even different, so you can tell the difference in the mm-hmm. shape of the tree, you know, of the plant. So anyway, indica is more of a downer. It is good for more medicinal use um, mm-hmm. because it helps you sleep. It helps with pain management more often. It's more of a somatic kind of high as mm-hmm. opposed to um, the the other sativa high. Um, so yeah, there's a big difference, and and what what is good about the potential for legalization is that we'll become more informed consumers. So those who consume or who are reluctant to consume because it's illegal, so when it becomes illegal, those who want to consume will be more informed consumers. So they will be able to go to a dispensary or a, a, a you know, because I, I believe in Connecticut, they're going to limit the type of stores that mm-hmm. we have, um, but some more an upscale store, which every store I hope will have to have someone who can educate people so they would have to be educated but um they'd be able to go to the store you know and say you know i really have been having a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. you know and i'm having these other symptoms and no there won't be a perfect fix in the recreational side of that you know they they won't be able but they can kind of direct people you know in the right Mm -hmm. direct send them in the right direction for them yes and then me- medically, you know, medicinally as well, um, the people who um, are running the dispensaries now are pharmacists. Um, they are knowledgeable in dosing and, you know, and, and so they really kind of help people figure out what's good for them. But everyone's different, and it'll be a little trial and error. Before anything <laughs> else. Yeah. So, again, as, as a medical professional, mm-hmm. what makes you think that this is a good idea? Because for so long we've heard, you know, all the negatives, mm-hmm. you know, and I know you talked about regulation and we're, we're, we're knowing where this comes from, mm-hmm. but what convinced you, the medical professional, that this was something that we should really take seriously? Well, first and foremost, I was a biology major, so I liken myself <laughs> to be a little bit of a scientist. And so I love the science and anatomy and physiology of things. Mm-hmm. And so as humans, we have, in mammals in general, have an endocannabinoid system. 
and the cannabinoid is what the is is similar to the it has a similar effect as the cannabis um okay. so it we have it already innately in us mm-hmm. <laughs> so that says a lot and sometimes you know when there there there's a, a pull for a balance and that's what you know use can can help with um also i've seen the research and the studies in which people are really um you know epileptics are ingesting consuming cannabis in one shape, way shape or form or another um and they are no longer having seizures and mm. this is down to children babies um they're really able to see a marked difference once they start um consuming cannabis people with aids and hiv who are wasting away because they can't mm-hmm. eat or even our cancer patients who have no appetite um, cannabis stimulates appetites and helps them to be able to eat and mm-hmm. have have a meal that they hadn't been able to hold down because it also helps it works on the gastrointestinal system and reduces um, peristalsis and all of those activities that cause nausea and vomiting. So you know it helps in a whole lot of ways. And there's almost there's a book with all of the things that it, marijuana can cure or treat or help um, lessen the symptoms and it's. You know, from head to toe, <laughs> almost everything you can think of, depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, not treat or cure some of these things, but um, or not cure some of these things, mm-hmm. but definitely treat them. Treat them. Um, you know, epilepsy, as I said, it helps treat the symptoms of pain with cancer. It helps treat the symptoms of lack of appetite, those kind of things. So, mm-hmm. so that convinced you absolutely after over time that maybe this was something that could really work for people. Yes, absolutely. So, in doing this, mm-hmm. how are you pitching this to the community? Because you mentioned something earlier that, and we both kind of went down this path, but mm-hmm. for years and years and years and years in black and brown communities, mm-hmm. This is an illegal drug, mm-hmm. and by federal standards, it still is. Mm-hmm. So, how do you pitch this to our community as a business opportunity? Because we're going to get into that mm-hmm. as the show goes on. Um, well, first and foremost, because getting into this industry doesn't mean you have to consume. <laughs> mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you have to ever touch a plant. Uh-huh. There are so many... There's such a wide variety of jobs and opportunities and business opportunities that exist that it's almost impossible for someone to, A, fail. (laughs) You know, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible for you not to find your niche, you know, to be able to take something you're passionate about and add cannabis to the end and make it your business. Um, And so I... And it also is an opportunity to build community wealth, you know, to build, Mm -hmm. to take control over our, our, our communities and, you know, our financial, Mm -hmm. our financial abilities in our communities, Mm -hmm. because we are one of the top consumers, you know, (laughs) of cannabis and, um, you know, we know what we like and how we like it. Who better to be a voice and to be leaders in this industry, you know, than people of color women? We are the ones who make the decisions for mm-hmm. households. Yeah. You know, we are the ones who um, 
test things out, figure out what works for our families. You know, we're the ones who are going out to vote the most. Yeah. You know, so we need to be regulate a part of the regulation process with this plant, you know, because no, we don't want everyone, you know, just willy nilly out smoking. You know, we want legalization for adult use. We want legalization with standards Uh and um, with, with precautions and that's thoughtful and mindful of youth and um, of abuse and ways to treat that. So there's a lot of things. So who but the most affected community should be the ones making the decisions and having a voice here. So how are we doing in Connecticut? Are, Are we making progress toward this? So right now where we stand, um, so Juan Candelario, um, one of our local New Haven uh, state, state reps, reps, yeah, he has been proposing bills, which I didn't even know, he said for the past three years, <laughs> um, and they never really got past go. Um, finally, this year, we were able to get two public hearings mm. based on a bill that was... Um, Submitted by a few legislators, including um, Michelle, and I don't want to mispronounce her name, but I wrote it down. Mm. Um, hmm, where is she? Well, Michelle Cybron is how you say her name. Okay. Um, She's out of where? Uh... Torrington, I okay. think she said. Okay. Um, but she, she was the main person who wrote the bill she did the research for the bill and then there's like tony walker i believe is on this bill and, mm-hmm. and a bunch of other reps but um you know we're looking at how these bills will be written mm-hmm. making sure that there's inclusion um so that we have a ways to go with that but anyway we had two public hearings at the public hearings you know there was a lot of opposition and the bill did not pass So there's some opportunities left to kind of throw in the marijuana legislation. Going in a different direction. But, you know, these are legislative maneuvers. And, you know, I really can't speak to to them that thoroughly. But something with the budget and kind of those kind of things. So there is still hope for a possibility of legalization by July of 2018. Uh But right now... um, it looks like we're going to have next session. So, but that's kind of a good thing because we can be more prepared. I was going to say, that gives you more time to mobilize. as business people, yes. <laughs> you know, to not only mobilize, but think about how you want to sell, mm-hmm. you know, be it mm-hmm. brick and mortar oh, or, definitely. you know, online mm-hmm. or those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Partnerships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you envision it going in Connecticut? I mean... Are we, will we see partnerships? Are we going to see more individual sales? What are you working toward? Well, you know, being a part of Women Grow, and I know we're going to talk about that soon, but being a part of Women Grow, our, our whole mission is to promote entrepreneurship amongst women, to do that through partnerships, to, to do that through networking, mm-hmm. to utilize shared resources. So we're, you know, I'm hoping that, that that Connecticut will follow suit, you know. 
Um, I don't think that there's going to be much room for many Lone Rangers, you know, mm-hmm. especially with some of the fees associated with starting. And, you know, all we know right now is what it costs to start dispensing. And how much and does it cost? Millions. Basically, you have to wow. have about $2 million in escrow. And then I believe it's 50000 for each application step. And, you know, then you have to have operating costs and all that right. stuff. So does that vary state to state or is that kind of does. standard? It does vary state to state. Um, some states, this, the state controls how um, marijuana licensures or like, I, I believe mass. No, no. Um, I think California mm-hmm. and... Um, Colorado may. I'm not 100% sure, but some states basically decide everything. Mm-hmm. We're hoping here in Connecticut that the local municipalities will decide, you know, who what? gets licensed and for what and mm-hmm. how many go in each neighborhood and, you know, let that be a local decision. So if they don't want a dispensary, you know, the town right. can say they don't. But if right. they do, you know. It's it's available to entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So, women grow. Mm-hmm. How'd you find out about it, and how'd you end up being the chair? <laughs> no, <laughs> so I, um, I had a friend who was like, you know, the cannabis business is about to blow up. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a registered nurse. You can get one of those dispensaries. You know, <laughs> you should find out about it. So I'm like, okay. So I start researching, and I found the school I attended. Um, the Northeastern Institute for Cannabis in Natick, Mass. So I started attending, driving two hours, taking the classes, and it was like the best group of people, you know, and <laughs> and we learned a lot. Uh-huh. And, you know, people started talking about other resources, you know, other groups that we could reach out to besides just in the classroom. And someone said, oh, you'd be perfect for, like, Women Grow. Like, you should go and check them out because they're, like, a social mm-hmm. kind of networking, but they're all professionals. And so I said, okay, I'm going to try it out. So since I was going to Mass uh-huh. for um, school, I decided to go try a Women Grow in New York. I love New York, too, so that kind of worked out. That kind of helped. Yeah, yeah. So my first event that I went to was just so happened to be on cultural diversity in the cannabis industry, and it was in Harlem. I was in heaven. (laughs) So, you know, um, and the panel was awesome. Mm -hmm. We had a woman, um, a black woman who owns a farm in Jamaica where Mm -hmm. she... Um, grows marijuana she teaches people how to grow there how to cultivate it she does classes on different ways to Mm -hmm. like just awesome and she was in her 30s wow um and then i met um sarita wright is her name she is a writer for black enterprise Mm -hmm. magazine and she was speaking because she also is a a cannapreneur is what we call them (laughs) entrepreneur in the cannabis industry um but she writes specifically on black and people of color's movement through the cannabis industry and I started expanding my mind, you know, mm-hmm. and I walked around. Was that hard? Was it hard to kind of make a mental adjustment? No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> 
Not at all, but I mean, I am a little different. I'm easily convinced, <laughs> um, but it wasn't hard. Like, so after the panel, we had like open networking and, and actually at that event, the CEO of Women Grow was there mm. as well. Um, she had come from, from uh, in the Maryland area. That's where okay. she lives. Okay. And she just recently stepped down from being CEO because she got awarded a, a medical dispensary license in Maryland. So she's going to be doing that. So she stepped away, and now we have a new CEO, Christina. And um, so anyway, so I'm working the room, and I'm meeting people, and I'm basically just saying, hi, I'm Kibra. What do you do? You know, (laughs) and everybody answered. (laughs) They shared what they were doing, which was a plus because most people try to keep the the you know everything a secret because they're afraid you're going to steal their idea but that wasn't the environment there yeah yeah <laughs> and then um they asked me what I was into and I said you know I'm a registered nurse I have a, a small company where I do homemaker and companion stuff but I'm looking to get in this industry and then they started giving me ideas mm. well why w- would you consider this and you know and as I worked around the room I had a laundry list of things to consider and I just liked the space you know it was a Mm. cool space cool people and extremely informative um that panel uh that night I was taking notes I got so much information and you know and I I walked away feeling like this was where I kind of belonged yeah yeah. And so I go back, you know, for a few more meetings. I'm going back and forth to New York. And so then I start introducing myself to the people in the front, <laughs> you know, and, and making sure, you know, I I said I was from Connecticut. Right. And, you know, and I was sort of disappointed that we didn't have a Connecticut chapter. And it would be nice if my friends in Connecticut could be a part of this. And, you know, because I don't mind getting up and going. But everybody can't do that. Right. You know, exactly. and so and so I started making it known that I was interested in bringing Women Grow to Connecticut. There's an application process um, to be a market leader. Um, I, I completed the application process, continued to support events, which were helpful to me as mm-hmm. well. It wasn't just like mm-hmm. I was support. They were helpful to me. I, I met so many people. I went to a, a conference on um, cultural diversity in cannabis again, um, but it was given by an investment firm. And they basically were speaking of the avenues in which to get funding for your business. Wow. And they were marketing it to people of color and a cultural diverse environment so you know that was a plus (laughs) so but at that event you know I kind of reiterated my desire for a Connecticut chapter not knowing that Kay was about to become the CEO (laughs) and so I'm like you know I really and she said okay we'll talk and you know we did an information session and I was all on, on board and so they awarded me the Connecticut chapter um, and I put together a nice leadership team mm-hmm. um, of pretty diverse individuals, people who were also interested in maybe possibly starting a chapter or find out more information. So we kind of joined forces and we're working together. And um, I just, I've, I've, I'm, I really don't know <laughs> how it all happened, but you know, I'm glad that it did, and I feel like I'm the right person for this right now. So right now, how many people in this chapter? 
So it's brand spanking new. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I don't have any members yet except ah. for my leadership team. So um, how many on the leadership team? So there's four. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. So that and that I would I would not expect to have any members yet. You know, I'd like to be able to let help people make informed decisions mm-hmm. and um talk about what the what the membership really will mean to them and and want to be committed too because you know, there's a certain level of commitment that sh- you should want if yeah. you're, you know, yeah. going to invest in membership and you want to be in that room and you know so right makes a big difference (laughs) yes so how is women grow attached to the minority recruitment piece minority definitely with separate but but minority definitely in the women yeah right you know um women grow is a professional networking organization Basically, we believe that you should, we should connect face-to-face, have personal interactions. Mm-hmm. Those personal interactions build and lead to business relationships, and those business relationships equal, you know, profits and, right. you know. Right. <laughs> a good on and day. on and on and on, right? <laughs> yes. And so, you know, Women Grow is, it is exactly what they espouse to be. You know, they are um, pro-women pro-building um, women entrepreneurs, pro-supporting women in mm-hmm. this industry. And yes, we do have men as well. It's not closed to men at all. As a matter of fact, our um, male or woman-to-men ratio is like 70-30. So, so maybe if you're looking for a date, <laughs> you might run into somebody who's got something in common, right? <laughs> but you'll probably just get shooed away if you're out there looking for a date because these women are serious and yeah, about their they're, they're about their, their business. business. Yes, but I'm, I'm saying to you know that would be a good room. If it I would was be, a guy. yeah, you know, it might be something you want to kind of look into if you're, you know, if you're a male looking for a date, not necessarily a woman. Boy, did I step my foot in that one. I guess what I mean is, you know, there will be women who are about their business. So it might be a good thing for you to come out and support those women. And at the same time, you may find somebody that's got something in common. How's that? Did I clean it up? Especially if you're about your business. Yes. Especially (laughs) if you're about your business. Absolutely. Um, So how do you cultivate a leader? You know, um, I think number one is by providing them with support and information and resources and um, looking at, you know, helping people to kind of identify their strengths and their weaknesses and and also helping them kind of replay a little bit of the pet, like past mistakes and going forward. And I think that and and having them partnered with people in the same mm-hmm. kind of position their strength in numbers um and so together you know we can stand together as an organization but you know individually it may not be as beneficial or profitable and so i think especially with connecticut on the verge of legalization it's good to be connected with a source of information a source mm-hmm. of resources mm-hmm. you know it it's just 
It's just good. So it's 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 sort of a big sister, little sister synergy. Sort of. Kind sort of, of. Sort of. Yeah, exactly. In the sense of we are looking to people who are already in the business, people mm-hmm. who are pioneers mm-hmm. um, in the industry for for their knowledge and wisdom and expertise, but at the same time acknowledging that this is an ever-growing, ever-changing industry. So what we know today, you know, could have a difference tomorrow. Right, You know, right. And, and I was going to say what we know today could change tomorrow, but, you know, the plant is the plant. Right. Its effects are its effects. You know, right. it's good it's good qualities are as good qualities the things we have to worry or wonder about you know we are trying to address them in a yeah. thoughtful way yeah but so some things will will never change <laughs> but some parts of it you know like how we're actually going to start a business in this industry there are things that have not been thought of yet mm-hmm. but there are things that have been thought of and we use like our mecca which is Colorado, <laughs> as our, you know, um, our mechanism to see, like, what went right, what is going wrong, what things they, they need to change, yeah. Um, yeah. what businesses are flourishing, yeah. what could work here in Connecticut, you know, and those kind of things. Because I guess the question is, when you do something like this, is it a question of, because you would think because it's marijuana that the business model would basically be something very simple and you don't necessarily have to worry about not so much consumers, mm-hmm. but I think taste, right? That's mm-hmm. what makes the difference from state to state to state. Um, yes, and then just the type of market, mm-hmm. too. And, you know, and I don't really know how Connecticut is going to play out. You know, I, I Connecticut is an interesting place. You know, we have really, 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 really rich. Yes. And really, 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 really poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> it doesn't seem to be so much in the middle. You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah, the and, middle is going away. Yeah, and so... so how we and then we have municipalities who are overbearing and then mm-hmm. we have some that don't you know who aren't as so who will allow more businesses to come into yeah. their areas and so we we'll have to see how things go <laughs> well i guess the the question is you know are we leaning toward having medical dispensaries or recreational or a little bit of both a little bit of both is is would be the hope i mean if you look at colorado their um stores where they they sell cannabis Mm -hmm. they're like the apple stores you know some of them are you know they have these fancy cases and you sniff and scratch and do all kinds of stuff you know to be able to smell it and you probably can't touch it if you're not buying it right you know there are options they have classes there you know so connecticut could definitely have that element but then there are also you know not so fancy yeah stores in which you can purchase uh cannabis so um, there are restaurants where mm-hmm. they eat cannabis-infused foods. There mm-hmm. are spas where they utilize cannabis-infused yeah. oils um, and and treatments. And so there, there, it's endless what could happen. It's just a matter of where and how and 
you know, that, that we not saturate the system here and you right. know, that we are, again, very thoughtful about um, the precautions that we take, um, how we educate our children and reference and where And where the stores go, right? Mm-hmm. And where the stores go, you know, I'm sure it'll be... Um, you know, not they can't go near schools, or right? They can't, you know, so all those things will have to be addressed and thought about. So, I'm wondering, how are you going to get people of color really focused? Because I think when people think about cannabis business, mm-hmm. you see Snoop. I think that's like, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, <laughs> he's kind of like the poster child. Mm-hmm. But in all seriousness, you know, when this, when drugs have been such a detriment to the African-American and Latino community, mm-hmm. how do you convince people? Because, you know, basically, okay, most people would tell you, yeah, we know it's, it makes money. But now here I am, a black person trying to sell it in a store, mm-hmm. and is that going to be a problem? Is that going to be receipts? You know, how do you convince me that this is something I should be involved in when for so long it was taboo? Yeah, I mean, and that's the biggest hurdle that we have, you know, the older, older generation Mm -hmm. saw that Reefer Madness movie (laughs) where, you know, they were smoking marijuana like chain cigarettes and playing a piano fast. You know, you think you're going to go crazy. Uh And that's really engraved in people's heads. Mm -hmm. You know, like they remember those images. And so it's important to talk about it in an intellectual way. Talk about the science science of it. Yeah. Talk about um, the ways in which it helps individuals. And then somebody like me, I kind of laughed I kind of joked and said could we close the doors because I have ADHD but I really think I do because I you know I've been drawn away quite often you know and so it's just a matter of of being able to have an intelligent conversation Mm -hmm. about cannabis how it affects someone like I think it's when people are anti cannabis altogether like I I'll send them a video of a baby who, you know, was having seizures and mm-hmm. you can see the progression with it. Just so, you know, it's like, okay, at the end of the day, I should have a right to medicate myself how mm-hmm. I'd like to medicate myself. And it, and there are doctors now who are doing studies um, about the effects of cannabis on patients. And the main thing that these patients are saying is they had a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, so instead of only having these big horse cancer pills and having to, you know, right. having to take chemo and do different things. Like, they have a choice. Like, they, they maybe can do them together. You know, they may be able to, instead of I'm not taking Oxycontin, I'm yeah. going to um, ingest cannabis. That is something they should have a right to do. And that's where we stand primarily. You know, we should have a right to, if we'd like to consume cannabis at the end of a work day just like the next person would drink their glass of wine right right so how do you get it in babies how do you get them to ingest it so they have many different forms um Mm -hmm. they have um a pill form um they have vaporization okay um so there are you know different ways in which you can get that done Mm -hmm. so 
the minority piece is that a nationwide organization or is it something specific to connecticut so the minority business cannabis association is nationwide okay it's in the northeast um and well, I don't know, but they are nationwide. And there are a lot of different groups and movements um, that are, mm-hmm. are, are formed and already in practice, and they're great resources. And the thing about it is there's enough space for everyone, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But we just, I believe it's important that as people of color, we get a seat at the table. We're a part of the conversation that we're included in this yeah, arena. we're finally getting a seat at the com- at the conversation at the table mm-hmm. so much more often than we have in the past. Yes. Yes. So this is starting from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And there will be seats. There will be several seats it mm-hmm. seems. Mhm. And and you, and the opportunity to create your own lane. Mhm. You know, that's the thing. There there are going to be people who, you know, I talk to people all the time and they're like well, you know, I don't know what I would do in the cannabis industry. And I'm like, well, what's your passion? Or what do you enjoy mm-hmm. doing? Um, and a lot of times there's a direct way to relate what you love and what you enjoy doing in the cannabis industry. Somebody I know likes to drive. Right. There will be an opportunity for tra- <laughs> cannabis transportation. Either you're transporting the plant or mm-hmm. the people who don't mm-hmm. want to, um, you know, and should not be operating a motor vehicle while under the, the influence. influence so they yeah. may they this will be your cannabis ride you know or whatever <laughs> there there are so many uh, a cannabis uber if you yeah, will cannabis <laughs> cannabuber cannabuber <laughs> in doing this you all have an event coming up yes we do june 1st in new haven yeah uh K2. Yeah. Asian Fusion Restaurant on Temple. I, I couldn't remember if it was Temple or College. Yeah. On Temple 27 Street. 27 Temple Street. Mm-hmm. Um, it's from 6.30 to 8.30. We may go a little longer because that'll be our first one. But it's basically our market launch. We're going to have a pretty nice panel. Um, uh, Sam Tracy, he's coming from the coalition I'm a part of, Coalition mm-hmm. to Regulate Marijuana, Connecticut Coalition to Regulate Marijuana. He's going to talk about the bills and where we stand in Connecticut with legalization. Mm-hmm. Um, I have three partners from Wigan and Dana okay. uh, Law Firm, which is one of the largest law firms in Connecticut. They're gonna, they are interested in starting a whole sector of their firm and and devoting it to cannabis wow. business. Um, and so they're going to talk about getting into the cannabis business with l- proper legal representation. Right. Um, I have another lawyer who's going to um, be speaking, Gail Katowski. She um, represents individuals in the cannabis industry. So like she represents um, a grower and some other people. So she's going to talk about, you know, that. And then Jake Plowden, he's from the Cannabis Cultural Association, Mm -hmm. and he's going to be talking about social justice and uh, the cannabis industry and the things that are concerning to our hearts. (laughs) But now, over time, I guess the thing is, where do you see this going? What what will what will that landscape look like in two years, in five years, seven years? 
um definitely totally decriminalized <laughs> first and foremost mm-hmm. um Secondly, I do believe that there will be businesses, there will be um, supportive services, there will be um, opportunities beyond your imagination. Mm. Um, You know, and again, there won't only be people touching the plant or consuming it. You know, like someone's going to get rich from making the perfect packaging. Mm. You know, someone's going to get rich for creating a new there there are so many things right now there's basically like a Keurig uh-huh. um system it looks very similar but you put the marijuana bud in and it wow um it turns it into a vape it's called Canacloud and then I, I think just, I've heard that name I didn't know what it was but I mm-hmm. think I've heard that name yeah I posted it um okay. on my Facebook page and then you know there's another one with again same kind of system but it's the, instead this time it's the pods and okay. the pods have marijuana infused coffee so you wow. get the perfect dose and the perfect, perfect cup of coffee yeah and and that goes back to what you were saying about regulating it mm-hmm. you know that's not something the average joe can do right you know so right. consequently when you when you put it in that context it makes sense for people mm-hmm. to really be aware of what they're getting, mm-hmm. you know, oh, in doses and absolutely. It makes sense. Absolutely. And right now like it's required that the if you purchase a so if I was in Colorado and I was purchasing recreationally, it would have the dosage, so how much THC is actually yeah, in what I'm consuming and um, you know, how it has expiration dates you know that it was checked and all those good things yeah and so you know exactly what you're consuming so if you were to tell people about what you're doing mm-hmm. how would you describe it how would you sell it to somebody else so you know, I wouldn't necessarily try to sell anybody anything. <laughs> I've just been saying, listen, I mean, I'm a part of I sell the this. idea. <laughs> yeah, and, and and that's what, because there are so many ideas, uh-huh. you know, it, it would be an error for me to try to sell someone or, or give someone one idea. Mm-hmm. Um, my main thing is just be in the room. There are going to be so many opportunities and so many different options and so many different ideas Mm -hmm. and so many people willing to fund those ideas or help you put legs to those ideas so my my sell if there was one would be to join a group like women grow start coming to our meetings even if you don't join you know the meetings are $25 they're not a lot of money basically Mm -hmm. you know have to you're you're paying to get the speakers there and the you know right. and the venue um but but that's about it you know so it's not a big investment just to come and maybe invest your time in what could change your life right um and it is going to be it's projected by uh 2019 to be a 34 billion dollar industry it's going to double just in, in that two sh- years in just in that short period of time yes wow <laughs> so that speaks to the possibilities and and where marijuana in this country is going mm-hmm. that it's not just being looked upon as recre recreational but certainly medicinal yeah i mean we're changing the look of you know what the previous you know we referred to as like the stoner yeah you know there the, 
people who are consuming cannabis are mothers, they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're nurses, mm-hmm. they're um, you know, a wide businessmen, um, a wide variety of people. And so it's just a matter of changing the face, people coming out of the dark ones, right. you know, it's because the bottom line is it is still illegal recreationally. So no one should be consuming right. unless they have a med- medical um, license to do so. So, you know, changing the idea about um, cannabis and its consumption and um, thinking of it as a business <laughs> as opposed to a bad habit, <laughs> you know, I-, I think just starting to get people to see see it from a different angle yeah. is what's going to make the difference. But has research been done as to whether people because you have some people who smoke for recreation as we've been talking about Mm -hmm. but you all also have the medicinal Mm -hmm. so I guess my question would really be as I'm sitting here like turning all this over real Mm -hmm. quick Mm -hmm. if you are selling this to the public you know the the medicinal benefits are kind of obvious mm-hmm. but will there have to be some kind of education to go along with this and i'm not talking about just the average consumer i'm talking about municipalities i'm talking about law enforcement i'm talking about um hospitals and doctors, health mm-hmm. professionals, mm-hmm. how do they get ed- educated? You know, so twenty years ago, <laughs> this mm-hmm. wasn't the cop. Uh, you know, the the topic of uh, of any class, right? Right. <laughs> um, it wasn't. It wasn't a course that you could take in medical school. <laughs> um, and so now, what I'm hearing is that it is becoming. Um, a topic. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, they are there are courses. People do have to be trained in dosing and um, preparation and and all of these things. So, so what we're seeing now is a push for education. Mm-hmm. People are actually signing up for conferences. You know, learning about this plant and the the medicinal side as well as the benefits it could have on society recreationally mm-hmm. being illegal and we didn't even talk this entire time about the state of Connecticut and where we are fiscally you know yeah, we are we're, we're in a tough position in a horribly tough position but at the same time Colorado is way in the Boom. black <laughs> yeah they're booming <laughs> And, you know, if it's been projected that if we had legalized this year, and if we do, our first year, we would have $100 million in tax revenue just from cannabis alone. 19,000 jobs would be created from cannabis alone. And that's a projection. It's probably going to be even more than that because there's groups like Women Grow that exist that are having these conversations and getting people to think about this industry. So with that with that kind of guidance and assistance, people are going to be starting profitable, um viable businesses because they're going to be 
partnered. You yeah. know, they're going to be partnerships. They're going to be um, support systems and mechanisms in place. And education is something that we do on a regular basis. So each meeting that we're going to have, which are always the first Thursday mm-hmm. of every month, will there'll there'll be a panel and a discussion, and that panel will will um, present different topics each month. And so there's education there our, on our website. Um, if you become a member, you have access to all of our educational summits that we have and some past talks mm-hmm. and different things. So there are opportunities for um, annual conferences, things to professionally develop you and personally as well. All right. Kebra Bolden, <laughs> RN, chair of Women Grow Connecticut. They have a event coming up June 1. 6 p.m.? 6.30 to 8.30. At K2 on Crown Street. Temple Street. Temple Street. (laughs) Well, really Temple and Crown. Temple and Crown, yes. All right. I appreciate you being here. Thank you, thank you. This has been an interesting conversation for me. I'm I'm learning. (laughs) So that's always good. And if somebody wants to reach out to you, how do they do so? They can reach me at Connecticut at WomenGrow.com. Um, you can also visit our website, which is www.womengrow.com. And you have local meetings when? The first Thursday of every month. And the meeting sites will probably change. So, you know, you just kind of keep up with us on the website. I think for the first two meetings, we'll be at K2. Um, but after that, we, we may kind of bounce out. around the state a little bit and, you know, introduce some other areas of Connecticut to Women Grow. All right. And you've been listening to the show on 103.5 FM LP, WNHH.